From Dirty Spoon Media, it's Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Jonathan Ammons. So far, 561,000 North Carolinians have filed for unemployment as of yesterday, and the DES is having trouble processing all of those claims. At one point, the Department of Commerce said they were receiving 1,000 claims per hour. In Asheville, we are about to start our sixth week of the shutdown. But before the state, county, or city issued stay-at-home orders, the Asheville Independent Restaurant Association suggested that their restaurants shutter for at least two weeks to try to get ahead of the curve. That's pretty devastating for a city known for its food scene, where 28% of the population works in the hospitality industry. Mackenzie Lunsford has written about the restaurant scene in Asheville for over 15 years, first with the Mountain Express and now with the Asheville Citizen Times. It's safe to say that there is no reporter who has seen or documented the growth of the Asheville restaurant scene more than Mackenzie. Citizen Times had to make the move to furlough most of its reporters once a month. But despite the time off, Mackenzie has still been reporting on the crisis and how it is affecting the industry she has been documenting for her entire career. I caught up with her yesterday to find out what the outlook looks like for Asheville. The picture is grim, right? I mean, you're reading everything that's out there. Right now, everybody's just trying to scramble to uh, help their employees who they had to lay off. And that's been the most devastating thing. Number one, what I hear from restaurant owners is this has been the worst time of my life, not because they're worried about their loss of income, but surely, you know, somewhere in there, of course they are, you know, because they're business owners. But the number one thing that they talk about is how devastating it is to lay off you know, a hundred people. It's not, not unusual. Pax Tavern laid yeah. off more than a hundred people. Uh, Curate, more than a hundred people. Mm. Uh, Biscuit Head, about a hundred people, you know, and it just keeps going. You start thinking about a hundred people per each large Asheville restaurant, you know, and, and then of course the countless smaller ones. It just, it's, it's, just devastating to think about how many thousands of people from independent restaurants alone have lost their jobs. And it's, it's just, it's horrifying. I mean, you don't, you don't know how to help them. How do you help them? What do you, what do you do? You know, the, the, um, North Carolina Department of Unemployment or whatever you call it now is a complete clusterfuck. I don't know if you've tried to, yeah. <laughs> tried to apply for benefits, <laughs> but I learned about that firsthand last week when I was trying to get my unemployment. Yeah. And you can spend a whole week just trying to just make a profile, let alone get your benefits. So the most interesting trend that I've seen in restaurants, while they wait to find out if they will be able to be closed for however long this goes on, right? They don't know. There are some restaurants that have no idea if they're going to reopen. Regardless, they are spending their time. They are spending their resources. A lot of people are getting donations from food companies like Big Fresh Point and, you know, the Cisco's of the world or whatever. And they're feeding their employees, right, with these empty kitchens. Mm. And they're also making food to feed the 250 veterans at the veterans restoration quarters in East Asheville, you know, they're, they're shipping money, excuse me, they're shipping money, might as well be, they're shipping food off to, to some of the shelters that are on lockdown, you know, they're, they're trying to make a difference. And, and that in and of itself is, is heartbreaking, you know, Yeah. instead of just sitting there and, you know, just crying, and surely, I mean, some of these people, some of these folks who I talked to 
as this was going on, they were, they were speaking through tears, but instead of just sitting there and feeling sorry for themselves, they're doing what they can to just keep moving and help. And it's been absolutely heroic to witness, especially as this industry is just going to be, it's going to be just decimated. It, it's not, it's not, you know, we're talking about rosy pictures here, but it's not going to be Yeah. when this is over. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. There's a, I've heard an estimate that something of like 30% of local businesses could shudder after this. I mean, to me, that sounds low. Yeah. I I don't know. Name, name any business at all. The richest businesses, the most wealthy people you can think of, and then have them not do any business or a tiny fraction of their business. And some of the people I talked to who are still running brisk, you know, online ordering, takeout, all that stuff, they're saying their business is down 90%. Yeah. Some people, their business is down 100%. Who do you know? What business do you know that can shut down for months at a time with hardly anything coming in and then just reopen? And the thing about restaurants, which you know, they're just so uniquely, unfortunately, they're uniquely positioned in some ways without our help to fail in this, right? Because think about the startup cost for a restaurant. Besides the obvious, like the hardware and all that stuff, think about the tremendous amount of money it's going to take to open a restaurant on day one, basically, when this is over. Think about all the stuff that they have to order. Think about maybe having to rehire all new people and go through training. Yeah, You know? I mean, just the tremendous amount it's going to take to reopen it's white duck for example right i mean they they just one of the most successful businesses uh food businesses to come out of Asheville. i would would you agree yeah totally yeah yeah talking to laura right and they've opened like whatever 10 places uh across the southeast at this point you know mostly employee uh driven franchises which is really cool but laura roos who herself owns three of the taco shops in in asheville you know she she said there's absolutely no way financially that i can afford to open all three of these restaurants at the same time when it's time they're gonna have to open one by one and i don't know how long it's gonna take wow yeah and that's gotta be terrifying when you like like you said the staffing like everything else even those employees, at the same time, there is a well of, of talent to pull from at this point. Sure. Of people that are completely mm-hmm. unemployed and that have, have nothing. Um, do you think that sure. some of these restaurants that are doing to-go service and still keeping their business somewhat running will have an easier time of making that transition when the time comes? Uh, Maybe may like a tiny fraction. I mean, it's it just... You know, John Fleer, for example, he's got rhubarb and he's got the bakery and the bakery is running out food to people all over uh, the city through Mother Earth food. Um, I bought one of his packaged meals and ate it last night for Easter dinner, yeah. you know, and he's he has a large, not a large, but he has a cushion for emergencies. He said just as a business owner, he saved and he was talking about. He made his April rent payment and was talking about, you know, May when May rolls around and he has to pay that. He he just 
doesn't know what's going to happen next. I'm not saying, you know, let's be very cautious here. I'm not saying rhubarb is closing. I'm just saying there's a person who has done what appears to be fairly brisk takeout business. And it's still so precarious for him that he's afraid about his rent payment in May. Right. Yeah. And this is a very well-established, very, very well-known chef who was just nominated for the James Beard Award of Outstanding Chef. I mean, that's yeah. a award that goes like Alice Waters, you know, right. and Wolfgang Puck, you know, <laughs> like this is, he knows what he's doing. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a grim, it's a, the outlook is grim for, for a lot of people. And hopefully, I don't know, maybe this will be over in two weeks and everything will be fine. But I, I still would say that losing only a, only 30% of restaurants seems like an optimistic estimate to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, I mean, it's this bizarre, bizarre reset button on the whole economy, on the whole system, on how we right. function. Everything changes at this point. And, that, you know, a lot of people, I think, are just like, we should just reboot everything, get things up and going. And it's like, how? Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole burn it, burn it down mentality is, is it's it fails to see a larger picture, you know, because to take a broader view that we're talking about, right? These, these restaurants, just like right before we got on the phone, handed in a story that um, it, it, a lot of the data was taken from a recent report um, from ASAP, right? Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project, which is a Western North Carolina nonprofit that supports farmers for all of those listening who are not from Asheville. Um, But they surveyed a bunch of Western North Carolina farmers and 80, 80% of them said that they were suffering financial hardship. Oh my God. Because as a result of coronavirus, right? And one of the farmers um, from Ivy Creek Family Farm, Anna Littman, was quoted as saying that she and her husband had planted fields full of stuff, greens, right now, that's what's coming up, arugula, that local restaurants had, had asked for and committed to and now those restaurants are closed and those chefs are out of work yeah because a lot of a lot of farmers in this area specifically service local restaurants like that's 90 percent of their business if not right they made yeah they they made investments on on seeds and and other things to grow for for restaurants that are are dark yeah and there's nothing they can do i mean most of the markets are closed there's a couple uh wnc farmers market remains open uh, ASAP's market is at AB Tech on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hmm. And, you know, but, it, it, but that's what that's not going to do. That's not enough. Yeah. And and then you've got all that food that is going to waste. Um, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a whole nother thing. And that'll be an interesting thing to dive into. I mean, I, I have seen reports of of milk going rotten you know just being tossed out that's that's another the the food waste is just astronomical um yeah that that that's really cool though and a cool piece of the the puzzle have been local restaurants saying 
don't throw that away. Give it to me. I'll turn it into something and donate it to the needy. That, yeah. That's a thing that I've seen. Who all is doing stuff like that? Who who are who's standing out to you for uh, of people that are really on the ball with that? Twelve phones. Um, they're feeding around a thousand a week. Um, veterans and homeless shelters and and the like. Um, Wicked Weed has made a commitment, even if their um, donations of food dry up, they're going to invest financially to distribute at least a thousand meals a week. Um, They've turned the Funkatorium into like a production, basically, uh, to just pump food out in Food Connection and the YMCA are helping distribute those meals. Um, Biscuit Head is... Setting up, um, I think that they're donating to others as well, but what they have done that's remarkable is they, they've set up sort of a, a, a kitchen and pantry for their employees. They have so many employees. Mm. They have three restaurants here in Asheville and one in Greenville. And even the people from Greenville are driving up here. So uh, Biscuit Head has turned its West Asheville location into a food pantry and they fill it with toys and um, <laughs> this part is actually me cry a little bit. They fill it with toys and school supplies for the kids of employees and toilet paper and dry goods and then, you know, biscuits and milk, which has been donated from um from Mills River local creamery. Um instead of having that milk just go bad. And um yeah, so employees are coming in, you know, ten at a time, social distancing, yeah. and then they go in waves. Yeah. Wow. And what the Jason and Carolyn Roy can't get donated, they go to Sam's Club and just buy. They buy ki- candy for kids for their Easter baskets and stuff. Mm. It's amazing. That really does say a lot about a business when they can't provide the way they used to for their staff, so they turn it into a different way of providing for them, you know? Yeah, and I was what what's interesting and important to note is the easiest way for these employees to receive their benefits uh was to be it was for them to be just fired, just la- laid off, you know, no yeah. just just clean. That's what what Jason said to me, you know, maybe they seem maybe these restaurant owners seem heartless for cutting their staff, but um, their staff can get the best benefits that way is what it was explained to me. Yeah, it makes it it makes it easier for them to just cut and dry, file for unemployment, receive benefits, and then they can hire them back at a later point if they can. Yeah. Right. And it's just such a, a nightmare for unemployment just trying to even get it. Have you been talking to anyone who's even receiving it or have you been talking to employees of restaurants at all and catching up with them? Um, yeah, I mean, what I've heard from most people is just that it's a nightmare. I mean, like I said, I tried it myself <laughs> to apply for unemployment last week. It's a nightmare. The The system crashes constantly. You have to just, just to make, um, to f- create a profile so that you can submit your claim. It takes days and days and days to make that happen because so many people are using the system 
an unprecedented number of people trying to trying to do that. And then once you finally submit your claim, you have to jump through a few more hoops. It's my understanding that the benefits will start to roll out this week. Yeah. And that's really cutting it close for a lot of people, you know, especially if you're living on a uh, small wage. <laughs> right. So what are you doing to stay sane? How you how you how you hanging in there? Um <laughs> I'm sort of built for the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I I have installed grow lights on shelves in my living room. <laughs> we have little plants and sprouts and microgreens growing everywhere. <laughs> um, I'm I'm fermenting kombucha. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm sewing masks. Nice. Uh, I'm, yeah, got my my victory garden. I'm baking bread and you know. <laughs> uh, I'm doing all that stuff is, is enjoyable for me, fortunately. So yeah, I spend all my time tinkering and working now I'm back to work and that takes up, you know, my whole day is gone. Um, I, I, I have to say it feels good to be able to have my family around me as much of a pain in the ass as it is. I know that they're okay, which is great. I can't say enough about the people who say goodbye to their family members who have to go work in hospitals. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like I don't have it too bad. You know, there's nothing really to, there's nothing really to complain about. Um, it's just, it's just sitting and, and waiting for this to pass and just hoping and, praying that everybody, everybody else makes it and that our businesses and the people we care about make it, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm currently on furlough, uh, along with any newsroom employees, or I guess most newsroom employees, uh, across the Gannett network, um, who make more than $38,000 a year. Wow. Is that are the very public nitty gritty details, or I wouldn't share it if it wasn't readily available. <laughs> right. So it's 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 one week a month until July. Yeah. Are you working pay. straight from home, or are you able, or do you have to go into the office, or what? How does it? How's it? Oh, working? I don't have to go. I don't have to go into the office. Actually, our offices have been closed since since March twelfth, I believe. Wow. They closed them across the across the network. So that's. I don't even know how many papers now because the USA Today Today Network, all the Gannett papers merged with all the Gatehouse Media papers. And I, I, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot of journalists <laughs> involved. And they closed all of, their, all of their newsrooms. So everybody's working remote right now. Gosh, wow. That's, and that's got to be kind of crazy to be trying to run a newsroom rem- entirely remotely. Well, I mean, <laughs> there there CEOs of Fortune 500 companies doing it right now. You know, it's yeah. it's it was fine. It works. We, you know, are using Zoom and uh, Teams and all that stuff, just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> just know. like just like we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, just exactly exactly like we're doing now, and you know, it's, it's just a little bit more of relying on. Um, you know, finding the story in different ways because we're not out. 
like, especially for me, I'm not out in restaurants or whatever, talking to people who work there now, right? The story right. kind of has to come to me. <laughs> yeah. So, so journalism in the age of coronavirus is a little bit different, but our company is going to send us all masks and um, gloves. <laughs> so, so it's less of a danger for us to report, you know, uh, in the field. Yeah. So to speak. But for me, my field is largely just closed at this point. Totally. Yeah. That's been the only way I'm able to cover anything is just by driving around and sticking a shotgun mic out the window every now and then and talking to the restaurant owner or, you know, bartender, whoever I see on the street. Like literal man on the street interviews. Yeah. It's been pretty fun. <laughs> I got to say, it's like my, my daily task. I just get in the car and I drive around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's getting me through. If I didn't have that to do, I think I'd go crazy, you know. But. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I so the furlough that I just I just got off of today is my first day back after the furlough, and and it was really nice to be disconnected. But at the same time, I was kind of disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not accustomed to not being tuned in. You know, it's just it's it's kind of part of my identity in a way that I didn't realize until it came time to turn the computer off on April 5th or whatever it was. And, yeah. um, and I was just like, I've everything. I, I just sat on my back porch and looked around and thought, well, now what? Yeah. What, what do I do now? <laughs> just, what is my purpose? What is my function? Right. <laughs> Which was really sad because I always prided myself on not really having to have, you know, identify myself through my work. So it was very eye-opening to learn that I do, in fact, <laughs> identify myself through my work in a lot of ways. Yeah. When it, when your work's so consuming, it's hard not to, you know? And I, I think it's just right. easy to not even recognize that you're doing it at a, at a certain level. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going through that like, right now, like just realizing that they their life was their work and now they can't do it, you know? And Sure. Across so many formats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of astounding. I mean, everyone is just kind of in shock at this point, I think, that is, is going through that kind of thing. But I keep wondering if I'm in shock. I keep I um my therapy sessions have moved online and I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can find a therapist who will do that for you. And <laughs> and the weird thing that I've been talking to her about is do do you think I'm in shock? Because I feel quite calm right now. <laughs> it's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. I don't know. There's something despite despite every horrible thing, obvious horrible thing that's going on, it is really nice to this is what I'm getting at, I guess, to kind of collectively breathe and yeah. pause and kind of realize that we all sort of have to scramble to help each other. You know, and, and hopefully we don't become this, you know, every man for himself kind of scenario. I, I really have seen more positives coming out of this, just people reaching out a hand to each other. Not to sound completely cliche, but from my vantage point, it feels that way. Mackenzie Lunsford is a staff reporter at the Asheville Citizen Times. You can keep up with her on Twitter at Mackenzie. That's at M-A-C-K-E-N-S-Y. 
Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show. I write and record our interstitial music, yada, yada, yada. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, manages our webpage and our marketing, and keeps the wheels turning around here. To catch the latest season of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, be sure to tune in to 103.7 WPVM the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m. You can also catch up on back episodes of the show, stream our latest podcasts, check out the artwork from our brilliant contributing artists, or support us through our Patreon at our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday, with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just search for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume on the Dirty Spoon.